0: Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Good morning. Well, today is Mother's Day, so I thought you'd enjoy this list of things our mothers taught us. My mother taught me logic. If you fall off that swing and break your neck, you can't go to the store with me. My mother taught me humor. When that lawnmower cuts off your toes, don't come running to me. My mother taught me genetics. You are just like your father. My mother taught me anticipation. Just you wait until your father gets home. My mother taught me about receiving. You are going to get it when I get home. My mother taught me religion. You better pray that that will come out of the carpet. My mother taught me about stamina. You'll sit there until all that broccoli is finished. And my mother taught me the circle of life. I brought you into this world, and I can take you out. (laughs) Yeah, somebody finished that for me, thanks. Uh, well, good morning. I am Becca. And if I have not had the opportunity to meet you yet, please stop me after service and say hi. I would absolutely love it. But before I get going too far, I do have one extra special happy Mother's Day, and that is to my mom who is watching online from Wisconsin. Hi, mom. Now I'm almost crying. That was probably not a good idea. Anyhow, I woke up in the middle of the night this past week, and God was speaking things to me regarding this message. And I kept reminding him. I was like, hey, God, you know, the word that you authored, you know, the Bible, clearly says in Psalm 127 that you grant sleep to those you love. And I know you love me because the Bible tells me so. And I thought that was a pretty clever argument, but he kept waking me up and he said, look, I also grant messages to people who are going to be teaching in church. You can have either one, which is it? I guess you'll know when I'm done, uh, which I chose. (laughs) Let's pray. Loving God, thank you for mamas and children and for all the joys and complexities of family life. Be with those who are grieving because they have no mother. Be close to those who are struggling because they have no children. Be near to those who are sad because they are far apart from those they love. Let your love be present in every home and help your church to have eyes to see and ears to hear the needs of all who come. We ask this in the sweet and powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Now, I want to start this message by addressing the elephant in the room, and that is that some women woke up this morning to breakfast in bed, um, lukewarm coffee, half-eaten toast, anybody? And, and with excitement. And others woke up to silence and the pull to isolate themselves. Some women woke up excited to come to church because this is the one day that they get specifically recognized. And others woke up and had to fight the urge to stay home because they really wanted to come and support their moms and their mama friends. And I did not want to let this service go by without recognizing that there are a lot of people who are still in the battle of infertility. There are a lot of people in this room who have lost moms this year, who have lost babies this year. And I really wanted us as a church family to make sure that we recognize them as well. I have a quote that I want to read in regards to infertility. The Bible treats childlessness as a devastating and true cut to the heart proverbs 30:15 and 16 lists barrenness right up there in the top 3 things that are never satisfied therefore if god's word validates her anguish shouldn't the church shouldn't society you know at life west we will take any opportunity to show honor because the word so clearly tells us in romans 12:10 that we are to outdo one another in showing honor and so, mamas, we honor you today. We honor the sacrifice that it takes. I am right there with you. We honor the time that you pour into the smallest details of your children's lives. And, and to the rest of the women, we honor you as well. And we honor your courage in showing up every day to life, despite the complexities that it has. Mother's Day. Well, I am a mama. I have five kids, ranging from 12 down to three, and um, my first few Mother's Days were really pretty difficult. Um, I was a reluctant mom to begin with, and then when I was thrown into it, um, I kind of tried making it about me. I was an entitled mom, Uh, and I, I really, I really wanted the day to go really, really, really well, right, for me. And my first Mother's Day was a bit of a blur because I hadn't slept for exactly 114 days. And yes, I did the math on that. Um, I was, add to that the fact that I had found out the week before that I was pregnant with our second. So I was basically walking around asleep with my eyes open. And man, can I just say, when we are asleep, we lose all any semblance of reality, right? So just yesterday morning, just yesterday morning, my three-year-old Beau was sitting at the dining room table and he was eating his cereal. And I was, I don't know, fidgeting around with something. And I heard him get up from the table with food in his mouth and he was running around saying, I can fly! And... (laughs) I heard coming out of my mouth as I was very tired. I didn't say, I didn't like bring him back to reality, like, hey, nobody, you you can't fly. I said, not until your cereal is finished. (laughs) Right? So we lose sense of reality when we get tired. That was my first Mother's Day with Avery, and um, so tired, so tired, horrible. Um, My second Mother's Day, my 12 week old baby took a fall from a three foot counter face first onto the tile below, and that prompted a emergency room visit and a whole pile of guilt for the mama whose carelessness had led to that fall. My third Mother's Day was going to be so much different. Oh, guys, I was so excited. I had this, like, lemon strawberry, it's actually a lemon strawberry yogurt cake, but Jason Hall hates yogurt, so I didn't mention that the first service, but it's a strawberry lemon yogurt cake, and it's delicious, And and I was going to make And then I was going to go to the downtown market and have kind of like a morning to myself, get a lobster roll. It was going to be awesome. Well, I woke up late, had a few other things go wrong in the day. And so I was making my cake and I was stirring it thinking, this takes so much longer than I remember. This is is taking a long time looking at the watch, trying to figure out if I can make it to the market. I didn't make it to the market. So then I'm frustrated and I'm getting the cake out of the oven and I pull it out and I trip on something, and I dump my cake literally all over the floor. It wasn't like, kind of like, went like this and some of it tipped off, like the whole cake was on the floor. So I did what anybody would do after they spent four hours baking a cake. I just made a little heap of it and put it in a pretty dish. and yes I took it to my in-laws and I I showed up there with the cake and my tear-stained face and I'm pretty sure nobody had any Samuel may have because he probably was like I do not want to deal with tears all day so I'm just gonna eat the cake and smile hair whatever's in there just going for it so so my fourth yeah you guys getting the trend yet okay my fourth mother's day my now four-year-old falls off or crashes her little dirt bike that has um, training wheels on it and breaks two bones in one of her arms. So we are at the emergency room yet again. So fast forward a few years, and here we are. This is my 12th Mother's Day, and so far, so good. Okay, as I was thinking through um, this message, I was thinking, What better scripture to use on Mother's Day than scripture related to hunting? Yeah, see, the men now, the men are waking up, and the women are like, why didn't I go to brunch? (laughs) Brunch is is available till 2, I think. So, um, yeah, Journey's clapping for that. (laughs) Okay, let's turn to Psalm 127, verses 3 to 5. It says, Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. Okay, object lesson. What is this? Almost everybody knew that, that was amazing. Okay, I got a disclaimer with this. So this stick, I don't know if any of you saw my daughters about a month ago, but my daughters showed up to church and had for about three weeks a really bad case of poison oak. All over their face, hands, ankles, everything. I mean, it was miserable. And I was so nervous. I'm like, I don't know exactly where they got it. um, And I have to go get a stick. So I kept away from everything green and viney at all. Anyhow, so this stick, I, I find it interesting that the Bible says that children are like arrows, not sticks. Because really, at the time the Bible was written, what was used to make arrows? Six, right? But if I take this arrow and I say to Samuel, hey, babe, shoot this. Put this in your bow and shoot it. One of two things is going to happen. The first would be he would say, uh, I am not putting that in my bow. Do you know how much my bow is? Uh, My bow is a finely tuned instrument and I don't know what else he would say, but it's (laughs) hunting. It would sound really just like that too. Anyhow, he'd be like, I'm not putting that anywhere near my bow. It's going to jack it up. And the second option would be, okay, babe, it's Mother's Day, I'll put it in the bow. And he'd put it in the bow and he would shoot it and we would not know, we would not know what would happen next. Just like I did not know that that was going to fall off the stage. Um, That's because the stick hasn't gone through the process of becoming an arrow yet. Nobody's whittled it, nobody's carved it, nobody's sanded it. Nobody's made it straight, added a point, a fletching knock. Are those the right terms? Fletching knock point. Um, Nobody has done that yet. And today, while we could sit and focus on the fact that children are like arrows and how that relates to parents and parenting, I really want to look at it more broadly and look at all of us as children of God and how he has shaped us and somebody else in our life has shaped us and brought us to the point where we are arrows that can be used by God. Now, when we look at our lives, we all had somebody with motherly qualities who helped mold us into the person we are, the person that we find today dared to come into church, whether in courage or in celebration, to hear how much Jesus loves us and that Jesus sees us all. That person may have been a biological mother or it may have been a spiritual mother. That person may have been male or female, but we have all been molded by somebody and brought to this place where we are prepared to grow even more into what God has for us. Recently, I volunteered in the community with a couple of friends. I'll call them Jack and Jill. And I called the coordinator of the event a couple days before and said, oh, I just want to let you know that Jack, Jill, and I will be showing up at the event. And she said, great. So we showed up at the event, and the coordinator greeted us, and she gave Jill a hug. And she already knew G- Jill. Um, almost said her real name. <laughs> Anyhow, she already knew Jill. Uh, and she said to Jill, she said, Hey, good morning. She said, I had never heard anybody call you Jill until Becca called me. Because everybody I know calls you Mom. And this perfectly illustrates what I'm saying when I say that someone helped mold you into the person you are today. Somebody treated you in a way that we attribute to mothers. Jill wasn't the coordinator's mom. And most of the everyone that the coordinator referenced in her insane, everyone calls you mom, most of those people are not Jill's children either. In Exodus 2, 1 through 10, we find the account of Moses. And at the point we pick up, the Egyptian leader Pharaoh has just ordered that all baby boys, one and under, be thrown into the Nile River. Read along with me. This is verse 1 to 10. About this time, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with pitch and tar. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance, watching to see what would happen to him. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river, and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. Moses, he was born to one mother, who when she realized she could no longer take care of him, showed courage in doing what was necessary. Then he was watched over by a sister who showed motherly qualities of extraordinary bravery and then resourcefulness in approaching the princess. And then he had a third motherly figure who was the Egyptian princess who was tender-hearted and recognized that this baby needed to be cared for. She raised him and educated him. And when I look at these three women, I think they all had motherly qualities that helped raise him And it, to the point that Moses... Literally, as a man became the savior of the Israelites, he rescued them from slavery, all because of the care of these three women. They literally saved his life and all of the other Israelites. Many of the best mothers I know aren't actually biological mothers, but they have that special ability to nurture and protect, which is so powerful. I look at my own life and I see the presence of so many mamas in my life and in my children's lives. And it really does take a village, doesn't it? Okay, I have a story. Um, (laughs) I was at Res Church in Granville uh, a while back and there's a portion of their building that has a balcony and then there is an atrium down below. And I was talking with one of my friends and I turned around to see my four-year-old, With his arms, his whole body over the balcony, and his legs, there was like a slit at the top, and his knees in the slit, the whole body was over. And I freaked out, of course, and I grabbed him, and I put him down, and in no uncertain terms, I said, you will never touch the railing again, (laughs) right? I mean, really practical, but still. You guys can probably understand that. So a few weeks go by and I'm standing in the same area and he has not I mean he has not gotten near that railing, right? And I'm standing in the same area talking to a mom that I don't really know that well. And I turn around and he is standing holding on to that railing. And everything in me I was like, "Oh. I I made that very clear. So I grab him off the railing and I say, "We do not Touch the railing and I go to put him down, and he doesn't go down quite as far as I'm expecting him to. And so I slowly turn him around, and he's not my child. (laughs) We don't hang out with them very often anymore. (laughs) That was an interesting one to explain. Really, I, I promise you, I'm like not that way with other people's kids often. But it really does. It really does take a village. I know, oh man, I felt like junk, but it was funny. <laughs> so, so I kind of laughed, which probably made her a little bit more upset, but anyhow. Um, yeah, so the account of Moses, when I hear that, and it takes a village, and all of these different women protected him, really reminds me, especially on Mother's Day, that today is a day to reflect on the maternal qualities of mamas, and how they help us see God's love for us, and how they help form us into the arrows we are meant to be. You know, my friend Jill is called mom because she displays the characteristics of a mom. Not because she holds the title, but because she holds the influence, right? You know, I have a dear friend who loves my kids like a mom, and then I have, um, A trio of sisters that I know who mom each other's kids so well that it takes you months. They're here, so I'm looking over this way. Um, It takes you months to figure out which child belongs to which mom. Really does take a village, guys. And, you know, all of the people that I've mentioned in this message really helped whittle and carve and sand and form these arrows that are children. And to the mamas in this room, some of you may be asking, you know, when it comes to Jill, that, that's great and all, but that's not me. I'm not, I'm not forming arrows. I'm changing diapers. I'm not, I'm not sanding anything. I'm, ch- I'm chasing toddlers. Like, I, I you know, I'm, I'm washing laundry, mountains of laundry, and then re-washing mountains of laundry because you forgot to switch it over into the dryer. Anybody, please? please? Okay, okay. I mean, that's like daily for me. This week I was gone and Samuel tried to do some laundry for me. And when he got done, he's like, I was like, I think you rewashed all the clean laundry. (laughs) I had left it in piles. I'm like, I think we just washed all. Our laundry's really clean this week. So, um, but maybe don't look at my kids because that might not be true. I don't know what they put on. (laughs) Anyhow. So to all of you mamas who are like, you know what? That's not me. I'm not carving. I'm not making arrows. I'm not doing it. You are. You are. Listen, 1 Samuel chapter 1 is is the the account of a woman named Hannah. And Hannah, we find Hannah at the temple. And Hannah is struggling with infertility and has for years. And she's being mocked by people for it. And she's at the temple and she is desperately calling out to God. And she's saying, God, if you will just give me a baby, I will bring that baby back to you. And I will give the baby to you and he will be in your service for the rest of her life his life. Yes. Um, And so God did. God granted her prayers. And she had a baby and she named him Samuel. I'm trying to find. Um, And the Bible tells us that Samuel did. He grew to serve the Lord. But Hannah, when when Samuel was old enough, she weaned him. So he's probably four or five years old. And when she weaned him, she took him back to the temple and she said to Eli, She said, You know, here you go. God, God answered my prayer. Here you go. And, you know, Eli prayed over her that she'd have more kids and she did. But when it comes to Samuel, Eli already had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. And Hophni and Phinehas were priests that served at the temple. And they were raised in the same way, except for those first five years of Samuel's life, they were raised in the same way by Samuel the priest. But the word tells us that Hophni and Phinehas were evil, even to the point that they died on the same day. Like it it was a big deal to God how evil they were. But the word tells us that when it comes to Samuel, it says that he grew as he served the Lord, and he served the Lord his entire life. He even became the prophet who God instructed to appoint both King Saul and King David. So Samuel was a big deal. But what was the difference? What was the, what was the difference? Why did Hophni and Phinehas end up being evil in the sight of the Lord? And Samuel, who was raised from five on up in the same household, served God with all, with all his life. The difference was those first five years. Right? Hannah. Hannah was the difference. Right? The changing, the, the, the shaping, the whittling, the, the carving, the sanding, the changing the diapers, the chasing the toddlers, the filling the cereal bowl again, the cleaning up the spill again. Those five years were so instrumental and in forming in his life that they carried through to the end of his life. So mamas, don't underestimate all of those little things that you do. They are so important. And for you mamas with older children and and teenagers and even adult children, um, you still have influence. CNN ran an article in 2011 that discussed why computer voices that give instructions are mainly female. It's funny, right? I mean, we don't often think about that. But here's a quote. It's a well-established phenomenon that the human brain is developed to like female voices. Research suggests that this preference starts as early as the womb. There have been studies in which babies in utero were found to react to the sound of their mother's voice and these babies showed these same babies showed no distinct reaction to their father's voice. So mama's you have a unique voice into the lives of your children. No matter their age, even today And I would really encourage you, the Bible tells us that we have life and death in our words. And so speak life over your children. Even if you never have, even if you've had a strained relationship, speak life over them. Speak good things, speak health over them. And let them know that you're speaking these things over them. Let them know that you're saying good things about them and you're building them up with words. Now, for those of you who are not mamas, you're not left out of this. Dads, friends, you guys are not left out of this one. We get to pray over and believe for those around us. I look at the account of Isaac and Rebecca in Genesis 25, 21, and here's what it says. It said, Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer, and Rebecca became pregnant with twins. Huh, that's awesome, you know? She can't have babies, so I just pray for her, and then she's pregnant and she has twins. That's great. But let's look at the account for context. Keeps on switching on me here. Got to not turn it around. Okay, let's look at the account. In verse 20, the verse right before that, the word says, When Isaac was 40 years old, he married Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel the Aramean from Paddan Aram. And the sister of Laban the Aramean. So he's how old? 40. Okay, now skip with me to verse 26. It says Isaac was 60 years old when the twins were born. 20 years. 20 years of him praying over his wife. 20 years of tears. 20 years. It wasn't a cut and dried, easy peasy, you pray for him, babies drop out of the sky. That wasn't it. It was him believing for and praying for his wife. And I love that prayer is, is included in this account. I love it. Because it could have just said, Rebecca couldn't have kids. And then later it could have said, now Rebecca had, did have kids and she had twins. But God knows how powerful prayers are. And he knows how powerful our prayers are over other people as well. And so he included that Isaac, she was infertile, Isaac prayed over her, and then she had kids. It doesn't say Rebecca prayed and prayed and prayed for kids. It says her husband prayed over her. And I love that because we have so much power in prayer and in the lives of the people around us. I was um, looking up this morning because when you read through the New Testament, we, we see one another a whole lot, don't we? One another, one another, one another. We see it. Fifty-nine times in the New Testament. If we didn't need each other, why would it say one another so much? I have another illustration of believing for somebody else. A friend of mine called this week, and, and she said, I've got a story I've got to tell you. And she said, you know, I, I got a text from one of my mama friends, and she, she said, please urgently pray because my baby stopped breathing and we're on our way to the hospital and my friend and her husband felt the strong nudge of the holy spirit saying she needed to be there with her friend so she got in the car and she said she had so much peace she didn't even know where she was going but she drove right there like the the woman lived closer to another hospital but This woman drove, my friend, drove to the correct hospital. I mean, this was cool. Anyhow, she said she had so much peace. She was praying in the Spirit on her way to the hospital. And she said when she got there, um, she had so much peace in the car, she said that she was actually joyfully singing. These were her words to me. She was joyfully singing. She had so much peace that the baby was going to be okay. And when she got to the hospital, they were running all sorts of tests. She went to the mother's room, and she stayed with her until about 1 a.m. And when she went to go... um, The mom said to her, thank you. I knew I could count on you to not doubt. I'm going to tell you the baby was miraculously healed of brain bleeds and other complications that night. And that's wonderful. But what I want to focus on is it was a friend who believed, who stood by her. It was a friend who supported her. She was in a moment of weakness, and she needed somebody to step up and believe for her. I just thought it was such a beautiful story of that. You know, my friend obviously wasn't the mama in that case, but she had the maternal qualities of care and nurturing and believing. And and you can do the same, right? You can believe. If you have friends that are parenting, parenting, Parenting is it's not easy. And is it easy for anybody? Anybody? Okay, OK, good. <laughs> Parenting is not easy. I mean, there <laughs> Avery came up to me, "Oh my goodness. The other day Samuel and I were sitting having a coffee, and all of our kids were playing quietly upstairs, and we have a sliding glass door at the back of our house, and we're pl- sitting at the table right there playing. And all of a sudden we see Bo, the three-year-old, come up the stairs. And he's standing outside the door, and we open it up, and we're like, Bo, what you doing? And he holds up a pile of mail. <laughs> mail. Our three-year-old had gone to get the mail. So, yeah, yeah, anyhow. Um, parenting isn't easy, okay? Avery once walked in, or Molly walked in to me, and she said, Mom, Mom. Avery said, I'm disgusting. And I was like, oh, honey, Uh, Avery came in, and I was like, Avery, uh, Avery, did you say she's disgusting? What? No. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. You said, Molly, you're disgusting. (laughs) Molly, disgusting is Spanish for beautiful. Beautiful. parenting is hard. <laughs> so if you have friends that have kids, stand with them. Believe with them. If you have friends that are walking the battle of infertility or have lost children, stand with them. Stand in the gap for them. Believe for them. We are, we're meant to do this together. We're called to do this together. If God didn't want If God wanted me to just communicate with him, he would not have given me a voice. He would not have given me family. He wouldn't put anybody else around me. We could all just be walking around in our own little bubbles. But he wants us to help each other. He wants us to believe for each other. You know, encouragement comes this way. Healing comes this way. In Matthew 8, verses 5 to 10, a man's faith is said to heal his servant. Mark five thirty-five to 53, tells us about the daughter of a man named Jairus. And it says that the daughter was healed by her father's faith. Mark 2, verses 2 to 12, illustrates an account about a paralytic who was carried by his friends to Jesus. And in verse 5, the Bible says, seeing their faith, Jesus healed the man. Deliverance comes this way as well. Um, Read with me in Exodus 17, verses 11 to 13. Now, where we pick up, the Israelites are in a heated battle with the Amalekites. The Bible says in verse 11, As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired that he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and her found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. Isn't that crazy? It doesn't say Joshua and his army was so incredibly strong that they overwhelmed the Amalekites in battle. It was literally two men Helping Moses hold his hands up. It was two men being there for him that gave Joshua the ability. It says, as a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army. As a result of us helping each other when we're weak. We all need each other. Now, when we talk about mamas, no matter who you are, an image comes to your mind, right? Um, that image may bring joy but that image may bring pain it may come with the feeling of being abundantly grateful or it may come with the remembrance of being neglected no matter where you lie on that spectrum though we have a god in heaven who loves us so much who looks at us and says where whatever stage we are in being shaped into an arrow he says you i want you in my quiver i want you for battle. You know, he even had to experience the death of his own son for us to be close to him. And he looked at you and he said, you are worth it. And you are worth it. And you are worth it. Please bow your head and close your eyes. When it comes to us being like arrows, some of us were carved or brought into a relationship with Jesus at a young age, and others of us are being whittled and sanded later in life. For those who were whittled earlier in life, God is a keeper. He is faithful to keep a finished arrow in His quiver and to protect it until it's time for Him to use us. For those who are still being whittled and carved later in our lives, God is a redeemer. He's able to take the rough form of our lives and bring out the arrow inside. Both those carved younger and those still being carved need Jesus in the sacrifice he made by dying on the cross. Whether they've been kept in the quiver for a long time or are still being shaped into an arrow by God's goodness. Jesus, we just thank you so much, Father, that, um, that you are the keeper uh, of the arrows, Father. I thank you, Father, for, um, for all the mamas in the room. Jesus, I just pray abundant blessings on them today. In your sweet and tender name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.